Well, we have an amazing um, privilege this morning to get to hear from Banning. Banning Liebscher is the lead pastor of uh, Jesus Culture Sacramento, um, uh, which uh, is a local church that um, these guys planted a couple of years back. Um, Banning has really been a, a father figure in this community. He's been somebody who's been pouring himself into our church family behind the scenes. And um, for Sarah and I, I guess one of the unique things about um, leading a church is that um, sometimes it can feel a little lonely at times. But when you have friends, even though they are maybe thousands of miles away, who are uh, challenging you, encouraging you, calling you out into the things that God's called you to do, I cannot tell you how much strength that adds to our lives. And for Sarah and I, I guess personally, we want to say thank you, Banning, for everything you do and are and have poured into our lives and this church family. Um, but more than that, we as a church family want to welcome you and we thank you uh, that God has you in our lives and in this family's life. So can you please stand and welcome Banning this morning? Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Can I give this to you, Phil? I'm all right, I'm all right, thanks. Well, good morning. Yeah, there we go. Good morning, good morning. I, uh, we got in yesterday, brought my whole family. They were asleep when I walked out the door this morning, uh, but uh, got in yesterday, excited to be here. Very excited to be with you last night during bonfire night, or um, yes. Can I, just, can I just pause just for a moment and give you my American take on this? Is that possible? We're family, so I can talk American just for a moment for you. When we first started coming over here, I'm 40 years old. I was 19 when I first started coming to England. Uh, we started coming to Rugby England every year for a few years. And, um, and I remember the first time that they started telling us, that we're like, do you have anything like July 4th? And they're like, yeah, you know, Guy Forks Day or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, tell me about that. That's great. Or what are you celebrating? Like what? Uh, are you celebrating like a hero? Are you celebrating independence? Are you celebrating a victory in battle? And they're like, no, this guy tried to blow up Parliament, and so we burned him, and now every year we uh, get the kids together and uh, make little straw effigies of this guy and make a big bonfire and throw him on the fire. <laughs> and I was from America, I'm like, what? <laughs> what? They're like, yeah, yeah, we burn this guy every single year, and then we set off some fireworks. And I, <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. So I was pretty excited last night because we were going, but I didn't get to make a straw guy and throw him on. That's what I was upset about. That, that was my one thing last night. I'm like, oh. So anyways, and then I found out little kids make them and you can buy them for a penny or something or a dollar. You give money. So this is amazing. So anyways, as an American, I just got to tell you, that's awesome. Uh, it was like, this is, I'm taking this back. Uh, we're going to be doing this thing over there. And then also, I could tell you this, when I went to, I mentioned this last time I was here, I went to our, my first Man United game, and I was very excited about it, I mentioned this last time. I was very excited because I, I'm like, this is, you know, this is kind of the mecca for football fans. And, and so I remember going, though, and like the game started, and there was no starting lineups, there was no like pyrotechnics, there was no cheerleaders, there was no loud music going, nobody had a t-shirt cannon shooting stuff at me, there's no mascot running around, it was very like, you know, and I told you before that when I asked Phil about that, he kind of looked down his English nose at me, and he's like, yeah, we're better than that, you know, 
it, it was kind of that snobby kind of like, yeah, we're better than you. And, uh, and then last night during the, during the fireworks too, which the fireworks were amazing. Like I was watching these fireworks going, this is incredible. Really fun last night. It was incredible. But like usually we'd have like patriotic music going and it would be like blaring God, you know, God bless America. And I'm so proud to be an American. And we'd be saluting every military person and, and we'd be thanking that. And it was just very understated. Amazing that. A little bit of music going in the background and then that was it. It was, it was. <laughs> Like, as, as an American, I was like, we need to be thanking the military right now, and we need to be singing, I am proud to be an English person. I don't even know what songs you have. So, anyways, I, it was awesome. And again, it kind of felt, fell again last night. It was a little bit like, mm, we're better than that. It was very condescending. That's what I feel, so... Yeah, it's good to be here. It really is. Obviously, you guys are family, and we just love being here. Really encouraging to see even what God's been doing, uh, not only uh, in the visible, but in the invisible in this church and, and the behind-the-scenes stuff and the underpinning of what's going on here. It's really exciting. So excited to jump in. Hopefully, you guys will all be able to come this week. Uh, I really feel like the Lord does is going to release something uh, significant to us this week. Excited to gather, and so it's going to be good. Here we go. I'm going to have all these scri- uh, scriptures up on. I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture, but if you have your Bibles, get them out. Uh, go to John chapter six. I'm going to read First Thessalonians five. But if you want to park in a passage, John chapter six. I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture. Just hang with me, and uh, we'll read through it. But First Thessalonians five eighteen says this: In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, anytime you see a verse that says, this is the will of God for Christ Jesus in you. Anytime you see a verse that actually talks about the will of God, it's important that you pay attention to that. Because Christianity is something that we can tend to complicate uh, when the Bible makes it simpler than we imagine. I, I don't know what it is about us, but we love to complicate things, and we love to make things more complicated than they are. I don't know if it's we like the intellectual side of it or what it is. But, but there's a few things that if you can get them down in Christianity, there's a few foundational truths that if you can get those worked out, everything else lines up, everything else works itself out. And that's why these verses where it says this will of God is important. So many people will ask me like, well, I just, I want to know what the will of God is. What's the mandate for my life? What am I supposed to be doing? And, you know, I'm like, well, it's simple. Give thanks in everything. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God for your life. In that situation, give thanks. In that scenario, give thanks. In that relationship, give thanks. In that situation, give thanks. This is the will of Christ for you. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you that you would give thanks. And that as believers, we need to begin to actually go, okay, what are the things that I need to be able to focus on? And if I can get this thing, these things right, everything else works out. I think that we would all agree and we would all applaud this fact that thankfulness is an important thing in our life. As believers, we should be thankful, we should be grateful, but many times what we believe and what we live are two different things. And, and many times what we believe, what, what makes sense, what, what, what seems like common sense in Christianity isn't really common practice. And it's very easy to slip into ungratefulness, negativity, criticalness in our life. 
And we, it's not necessarily that we want to, but we kind of slip into it without realizing it. And especially we don't live the in everything part. You know, we're like, well, you know, there's certain things you're supposed to give thanks for, but are you really asking me to give thanks in that situation? Like, that can't be what God requires from me, right? Like, do you know that situation? But so there are certain areas of our life that we kind of somehow allow to slip into negativity and critical and ungratefulness. And one of the reasons is, is because we have to understand that Christianity is an inside-out reality. Christianity is lived from the inside out. It's an internal reality. This means that the key things in Christianity are, are, are inside jobs. It's an inside job. That, that one of the reasons why we don't... I was going to sit on a stool, and no, I don't want to. Uh, um, I can feel myself... Uh, um, one of, the th- one of the reasons why we don't day in, day out live the things that God asks us to is because we forget the fact that it's an inside job. Thankfulness is an inside job. Thankfulness does not require external circumstances to line up to be thankful. Because, because thankfulness is not an external reality, it's an internal reality. It's why a pastor in China who's been in prison for 10 years can still be thankful, can still have joy, because those things are an inside job. They're an internal reality that are not dependent on what's going on around me. So many of us, the reason why we don't, although we would applaud things like thankfulness, The reason why we may not live it out in every situation is because we somehow think thankfulness, joy, are connected to something happening outside of us when it's actually connected to things happening inside of us because it's an inside job. This is why, and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, but this, you know, in Psalm, Proverbs 4.23, in the New American Standard, at least it says this, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. So here's the concept of Christianity. You need to watch over your heart with diligence. There's this picture of, um, of what, like your internal world, I would, I would say, is a garden. Uh, not a, a, what would you call a garden? So you call your yard a garden, and then you call your garden a garden? Yes, okay. Um, I'm just trying to help around here. Uh, so your vegetable garden, your flower garden. Okay, you know where you plant things and they grow? Um, not where you go through. Anyway, okay, so, uh, so uh, you know, a garden where you plant things, a vegetable type garden. Um, your, your internal world is, is a garden. And, and, and you have to be diligent about it, but you have to watch over it. Because it's from your heart, it's from your internal world that everything else flows. That's where all the issues of life, the springs of life, that's where all of it comes from. And there has to be, you have to be very diligent about watching over your garden. My, my wife loves to plant and grow flowers and vegetables and everything else. And, and it takes much diligence, it takes much care. She has to be careful. She has to be full of care if she is going to see produced and grow the things that she wants, the things that she desires. If she becomes careless, 
because maybe we're busy and we're traveling or the kids or that. If she, if she doesn't go out every day and tend to the garden and pull the weeds and make sure it's getting sun and make sure there's enough water and make sure that it's taken care of. If she forgets to go outside, if she rushes it and just throws water, too much water, if it doesn't get sun, if weeds grow and aren't taken care of, all of a sudden her garden does not produce what she's wanting it to produce. Right, so, so it, it takes carefulness, it takes diligence, and your internal world is the same way. You have to watch over it with diligence, you have to pay attention to it. So many of us, we don't live out the things that we actually agree and believe in because we are not diligent about being careful and watching over our internal world. So, so I'm going to talk to you about thankfulness, but the reality is this. Your internal world is your responsibility. One of the things that we've kind of fallen into is thinking that somehow my life is somebody else's responsibility. Somehow my internal reality is somebody else's responsibility. Your internal garden is your responsibility, not somebody else's. Or not some situations or circumstances. I, you know, it's amazing to me how many people neglect the most important things in their life because they think it's somebody else's responsibility. When I was, I went to school in Southern California, I don't know if I've shared this story, but I went to school in Southern California, which is, you know, down. So when you, when, when you say you're from California, they assume that you live by the beach, know a movie star, and go to Disneyland every day. And, uh, and, um, and know everybody from Saved by the Bell. That's a long time ago. But... <laughs> Or Baywatch. That was the other show that everybody loved when we came over here 20 years ago. So, uh, so, so I, I, it was a 10-hour drive up one highway, uh, up one freeway from where my college was to Ready. And so my friends and I were driving home. Uh, we got in his truck. It's in my friend Pete's truck. He was driving. I'm sitting in the middle of the seat. My friend Steve sitting next to me. And we drive 10 hours to get home. And, uh, and we're about an hour and a half away from Reading, where I grew up. And we pulled over to get some gas at a gas station. We pull over, and we pull up, the truck pulls up to the gas pump, and we get out, and Pete goes in and pays for the gas. And, and I, you know, I got to use all the, the petrol, and then I went and used the restroom, the toilet, and then Steve went and got snacks. And, um, and so, so Steve's getting snacks. I, I, I'm in the restroom. Pete's paying for gas, or Pete's... Um, yeah, in there paying for gas. And we get in the truck, we finish everything up, we get in the truck and we drive off. And about 15 miles down the road, all of a sudden the truck just kind of quits. It kind of lurches to a stop on the freeway and we coast over. We're sitting there on the side of the freeway and we're like, Pete, what's going on? And, and uh, I, you know, we look at Pete, he's like, I don't know, this never happened to my truck before. And we kind of look at the heat gauge and the oil gauge, it seems fine. And, and then I look at his, the gas gauge, the fuel gauge, and it's on empty. And I said, Pete, did you, put, did you put gas in the car, in the truck? He said, no, no, we, when we pulled up, I went in and paid for it. I thought Steve was putting it in. And we both turned to Steve. We're like, Steve, did you put it, any gas in the truck? He goes, no, I was in the restroom. I thought Banning was putting it in. They both look at me. They're like, did you put gas in the truck? I'm like, I didn't put any in. I was getting snacks. Don't look at me. I thought Pete was putting it in. We'd driven up to the gas pump, pulled up, gone inside, paid for the gas, used the restroom, got snacks, got back in the car, drove off, never actually put fuel in the car. 
This is, if, if you're not careful, this is how we begin to live, thinking somebody else or something or a circumstance is going to actually be taking care of the very thing that I'm responsible for. Guess who's responsible for making sure that petrol is in your vehicle? Guess who's responsible for making sure that your internal world is taken care of? It's your responsibility. So I can speak about thankfulness all I want, but one of the reasons why we don't give thanks in every situation is because we think it's somebody else's responsibility to take care of the very thing God's called me to take care of. All right. I'm going to read this story, and we'll go over a few things about thankfulness. Uh, John chapter 6. I don't want to read the whole thing just for sake of time, but Jesus, there's, there's, it's a feeding of 5,000, but there's more than 5,000. They only counted men, so there's more like fifteen to 20,000 that were there that were actually fed uh, with women and children. And uh, he goes, there's just massive need, massive amount of people that are hungry. Uh, the disciples are overwhelmed. And uh, we'll just start in verse 5. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Verse 5. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Go down to verse 6. Keep going down. Skip over to verse 6. Next one. There we go. Next slide. They'll get there. You know, just leave it right there. That's fine. Here we go. But he said... He said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five, lad here, they were English. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, a number of about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and listen to this, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he says to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Then they gathered them up, and there was a lot left over. It's so fascinating to me watching how Jesus responded interacted and engaged with situations compared to the disciples. I I love the parallel that scripture shows us because we can so see ourselves in the disciples and see how much that differs from how Jesus lived and acted. They're, They're facing really incredible need and overwhelming uh, um, overwhelming need with thousands and thousands of people that need to be fed and that are hungry. And the disciples come to Jesus, they're like, what are we going to do? All these people are hungry. And Jesus says, well, what do you think we should do? You know, testing them. And their response was like, what are we supposed to do? Like 200 denarii worth of food couldn't even feed these guys. What are we supposed to do? And Jesus is like, well, what do we have? And the disciples say, well, well you know, we have, we have five barley loaves and two small fish. And then they immediately are like, but what are they among so many? And, and Jesus takes it, he gives thanks. And then the, and the food multiplies, the bread multiplies, they feed. One of the interesting things for me is this, is, is that Jesus, Jesus gave thanks before the breakthrough and the miracle happened. Jesus lived in a different reality. He lived in a different realm. Jesus gave thanks before it even happened. And one of the reasons is, is because Jesus was not led by his feelings. He was led by truth. 
this is very, it's very intriguing to me how much of our lives, in America, they just came out with a statistic, uh, Barna is a, is a um, do you have George, George Barna out here? Do you know the Barna? Anyway, so Barna did a study in America, 84%, listen to this, 84% of born-again believers in America make their moral decisions based on feelings. 84% of Americans base their moral decisions, make their moral decisions based on feelings. This is astounding to me. And I'm, I like charismatic. I'm charismatic. I, I believe in feelings. I believe that they can help us. And I believe that we can feel God and, and experience him and all that type of stuff. But it is astounding to me how many people are led by their feelings rather than by the truth found in God's word. Rather than by truth found in scripture, we are now led by our feelings. The problem with this is, what happens is, is we encounter things and when our feelings don't line up with scripture and we're led by our feelings, you're not thankful. Uh, What happens is, if, if if you understand truth, then it's very easy to be thankful before anything's even happened. This is the amazing thing. Many people are like, I'll be thankful when the miracle happens. I'll be thankful when the breakthroughs occur. I'll be thankful when the relationship's restored. I'll be thankful when the bank account's full. When that happens, then I will be grateful. Jesus didn't approach life like that. He's like, no, I'm grateful now before it even happens because thankfulness is the very thing needed to release the breakthrough, the miracle, the restoration, the fullness, the very thing that God wants to release to you actually happens when we live and cultivate and are deliberate about this issue. I am going to be thankful in every situation. When I have 15,000 people that are hungry and I've got five barley loaves and two small fish, I live a life cultivated that says I'm going to be thankful. And thankfulness is not dependent on my circumstances. Thankfulness is not dependent on how I feel. Thankfulness is dependent on the truth that I live my life on. He is the provider. He is the one that is good. He is the one that is kind. He is the one that will come through for me. And I give thanks before anything else happens. This is how we have to live life. This is how the disciples did not live life and how Jesus did. And and the reason why you have to be diligent about this issue is because if you can cultivate a life of thankfulness, what it naturally does is, is it gets you focused on the Father. Now, Jesus, we know that Jesus lived constantly, consistently locked in on the Father. This was his whole thing. He wanted to reveal the Father to us, and he wanted to show us what it looks like to live connected at all times to the Father. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I, see, what I hear the Father saying. That type of lifestyle, uh, this, this is going to seem really simple. Thankfulness keeps you locked in on the Father because thankfulness is connected to something. So when I'm thankful, uh, um, when I'm thankful, we had hot chocolate after uh, we burned Guy Forks at the stake yesterday and, um, and celebrated with fireworks. And uh, so when, 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 when Phil made hot chocolate, when I say thank you, it's not a general kind of, you know, I'm not just, I'm actually addressing thank you at somebody. I'm saying, Phil, thank you for the hot chocolate. When I can live a life of thankfulness in every situation, 
What happens is, is I have to point that again at the Father. And I have to point that again at the Father. And I have to point that again at the Father. And I'm consistently keeping my eyes on Him when I can live thankful. And the enemy in your life is going after your focus. What he wants more than anything else is he wants your attention and he wants your focus. This is what he wants. And so because of that, he spends a lot of time trying to get us from this position to something, looking at something else. And when I look at something else, and when I'm looking at something else, if I can cultivate thankfulness in every situation, I begin to lock in again, and, I, and I'm thankful to the Father. I'm pointing it at something. I know it seems simple, but people that are thankful are consistently locked in and seeing the Father. We, um, uh, if you ever go to an NBA game in, in America, they, they have in the arena, when the opposing team is shooting a free throw on this basket, they drop these things called thunder sticks down from the ceiling. And uh, they're these big kind of like, they blow up and, and you wave them and hit them together and they make a bunch of noise. And, uh, and so whenever the opposing team is about to shoot a free throw, this entire group of people behind the basket are waving things and hitting. I know that you think that, I don't even want to hear what you think, Phil. <laughs> so, so, there, as I'm saying it, it sounds a little childish and dumb, but, but, they're waving them and hitting them and making noise because they're doing everything they can to get the player's focus off of the rim for just a moment so perhaps they'll miss the shot. I watched a whole Facebook video where a high school, this was in high, a high school, um, a team was playing in high school, and the whole, like there were stands on that side, they faked an entire childbirth underneath the basket and the kid missed the free throw he's like sitting at the free throw he's about ready to shoot and all of a sudden they're acting like some lady's about to give birth and they're like coming out with this thing and he missed the free throw the the whole point is to get your focus off of what it's supposed to be on just long enough to where you'll miss this is the enemy in our life i'm telling you as we're walking through life all all along our peripheral there's all this activity and stuff going on where the enemy is trying to get us to go from here to here thankfulness continually gets me back here ungrateful, negative, critical. Those things go every other direction but here. And when I can say, I, I'm in every situation, I'm going to live thankful. I'm just locking back in here. Thankfulness allows you to see what you actually have. The, the disciples missed what God was doing because they dismissed it and diminished it. The, when you live a thankful life, it actually opens you up to see what God is actually doing. When, when, when the, Jesus did not dismiss what was in his hands, the disciples did. The disciples, because they saw the overwhelming need, they saw five barley loaves and two small fish, they said, what is that? That's nothing. It's nothing. And Jesus said, no, it's not nothing. It's something and I'm thankful for something. I'm thankful for this. 
The disciples dismissed it. They were not thankful for it. And therefore, they did not see the miracle. Jesus, because he was thankful, saw what he actually had. I want to challenge you with this. I very much, God, I don't know if a double negative will work. God is never not doing something in your life. God is never not doing something. He's never not active. God's always doing something in your life. He's always active in your life. He's always moving in your life. The problem is, is because we don't live thankful, we miss or we dismiss, we diminish the very thing that he's doing in our life because we say it's small and therefore we act like it's nothing. Jesus is like, it's not nothing, it's something. It's something because God never, ever leaves me empty-handed, ever. God has never put me in a situation, I've never had to face anything, where he has left me empty-handed. He has always put something in my hand. Even if it's only a seed, he has put something in my hand. And I've got to be grateful for that. I've got to thank God for that. I remember sometimes the Lord had even spoken to my wife and I in the early days about, hey, I want you to give. And we'd be like, we don't have any money in our bank account. I don't know how we're going to give. But I have something. We'd go around our house going, the Lord told us to give. I don't have any money in the bank account, but we have stuff in our house. And if I don't have anything in my house, I've got, I've got energy and time and uh, whatever it is that, that the Lord never leaves you empty-handed. I would challenge you to do this. Do this exercise. Go home and just start writing down everything God's doing, no matter how small it is. No matter how small it is, no matter how much you may have passed over it before because you think it's insignificant, go write it down and you will find God is at work in your life. He has not left you empty-handed. He is doing a lot. We dismiss it. We diminish it sometimes and therefore we miss it because we're not thankful. If we can learn to be thankful, we're thankful about everything. I'm thankful for these five loaves and two small fish. Thank you, Lord, that you did not leave me empty-handed. Thank you, Lord, that you put a seed in my hand when there's 15,000 people that need, when there's overwhelming odds, when there's overwhelming needs, you didn't leave me empty-handed. You gave me a seed that I know when connected with thankfulness, that I know when connected to you can be multiplied. Thank you for this. Thank you, God, that you are going to show me your strength and that you gave me something to multiply. It's, it's a completely different perspective that we have to live by. We have to cultivate this thing. Partly what happens is, is when you can begin, what thankfulness allows you to see from heaven's perspective. When you can begin to see from heaven's perspective, this is where faith begins to be born. So faith is birthed in the soil of thankfulness. Because thankfulness allows you to see the abundance that is in your life. We don't know it. Again, we applaud this stuff. We just don't always live it. We live as if we are in a place of lack rather than a place of abundance. And the problem with negativity, critical, the problem with ungratefulness is you begin to act as if you live from a place of lack rather than a place of abundance. Thankfulness begins to allow you to see like, well, I live from a place of abundance, not from a place of lack. Faith is birthed, it grows in the soil of thankfulness because thankfulness allows you to see the very abundance that is in your life. And when I can see the abundance in my life, faith begins to be prevalent in my life then. You, you live, you, you, we live from a place of abundance, not from a place of lack. This is the thing that we say about faith. Faith is not... Um, 
Faith is connected to a greater reality. So faith is not like uh, I bury my head in the sand and act like there's not a mountain in front of me. Faith does not ignore the mountain. Faith understands there's a greater reality than the mountain. This is the issue. This is why I can have a mountain in front of me and be extremely full of joy, extremely full of faith, extremely thankful because I am connected to a greater reality than that mountain. It's not that we act like nobody's ever sick and nobody's ever going through a hard time or nobody's ever, like, it, we, we don't like, that, that when you come in this church, it's not like everything's going great, it's all good, everything's fine, everything's good, it's all good, and we're like, it doesn't really look good. Like, like that's not faith, that's, that's fantasy. Fantasy doesn't move mountains. Faith moves mountains. And fantasy acts like, acts like well, there's nothing happening and just bless God and, and all this stuff. No, faith says, no, I can see the mountain, but I can see a greater reality than that mountain. There is a greater reality. There is a greater power. I, we understand there's a higher power. There is a higher name that we're connected to. There's a, true story, I'm not making this part up. There's a witch who comes to our church. She's a, a, she, she comes from a kind of a, a, a line of witches and she's very involved in the new age and the cult and, and she, would, she would tell you that she's a witch, wears a pentagram on the thing. And, and actually, super nice lady. I've gotten to know her. Like, she's just such a tender heart. I really love this lady. And she comes though and she's been coming to the church and She'll come periodically, and I mean, she was just there just a while ago, and she actually took off her pentagram and said, can you hold this while I worship? And she's kind of in this it's a pretty amazing journey she's on. But anyways, when she first started coming, she was in this mode where she, 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 would, like, she was so frustrated when she was in our environment first because she has these a spirit guides she tells me about, and she told me they don't like me at all. But, um, but she has these spirit guides, and she came to me one time, and she's like visibly shaking. She says, why? She goes, there is no other environment where my spirit guides can't, won't talk to me. They can't talk to me in this environment. What is going on? And she was very confused about why. And, and it was, I said, oh, that's easy. I said, there's a higher name in this room than those spirit guides. There's a higher name. There's a higher power than those. That's the reality we're connected to. Yes, there might be cancer, but there's a higher name than the name of cancer. There might be depression, but there's a higher name than depression. There might be addiction. It's not that I'm ignoring the fact that there's addiction. I'm just telling you there's a higher name than addiction and that there is a greater reality than addiction. And that's what you get connected to when you can live thankful because it puts you in that spot. That's where faith is born. See, for many of us, thankfulness, what it does is it shifts our perspective. So many of us, we just need a perspective shift. We need a perspective shift in life. And when I'm thankful, I'm able to see what I actually have, and it shifts my perspective to heaven's perspective. I have, it's, have you ever been in a situation where you're encountering a situa- the same situation differently than the person next to you, though? You talked about road rage or whatever. I hate uh, traffic. One of the things I hate in life is traffic. I hate traffic. I lose my salvation in traffic. It's unbelievable. And so I just hate sitting in traffic on the freeway. What a waste of time. What a waste of life. And uh, so 
we're coming back. San Francisco is about two hours away from where we live in Sacramento. So we're driving back from San Francisco one day. I was with four guys and Zach. Zach's been here before. Zach Curry is on staff. And so we're in a car. We've spent all day together in San Francisco. We're driving back. We're about 45 minutes away from our house, and we get stuck in traffic. We're sitting on the freeway, not moving. And uh, just I can feel myself so irritated, so annoyed, just so like, oh. And, uh, and Zach, who's, if you know Zach, super positive. I love Zach. He's super positive all the time. Sometimes it's like annoying positive, you know. But we're in the car, and I'm just so irritated. All of a sudden, Zach goes, guys. How great is this that we get to spend more time together with each other? And I was in the car going, are we even in the same situation right now? Like, are we, in the sa- are we experiencing the same thing? And it was just so fascinating to me that I could be so irritated, so frustrated that we're sitting in traffic. And Zach's response was like, guys, how great is this? We get to spend more time together. Today's been so good. And now we get more of it. It's just a perspective shift. It's the same situation. Thankfulness, when I go, I, 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 thankfulness is the thing that shifts my perspective on situations and allows me to see from heaven's perspective. I'm not in lack, I'm in abundance. There's good things happening right now. I'm going to end with this. We could talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but let me end with this real quick. That thankfulness. Sometimes, let me just say this, sometimes I, I feel like believers live as if they're losing sometimes. When they're not losing, they're actually winning. Like the scoreboard is actually in their favor. They just don't, they just don't live like it. Thankfulness allows you to see the scoreboard. I just, I can't stress this thing enough. If you really just say, I'm going to live thankful, you begin to understand like, wow, God, I'm so grateful for all you've done. You're doing a lot in my life. And I may have encountered a tough situation, but that doesn't, that's not, like the score is still in my favor. Let me, let me end with this quick point. Um, at the beginning we said that, that you're to guard your heart. So the Bible says to watch over, in a moment I'll talk about, above all else, guard your heart, watch over your heart with all diligence. One of the main key ways to watch over your heart is this issue of thankfulness. Thankfulness actually guards and protects your heart. Well, let me say this. Ultimately, it's the peace of God that guards your heart. Thankfulness, though, is the thing that releases that. Look at this real quick. Philippians 4, 6-7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Can I come back real quick? When the Bible says there are certain things where you ever read verses, again, that just annoy you because you're like, I can't, like, it's not, the Bible says don't be anxious about anything. In everything, in everything, give thanks. Be anxious for nothing. The Bible does not give us permission, well, in situations that are maybe a little bit bigger, you can worry. Like in in those, you can worry, you know. Or in situations that aren't that fun, you don't have to be thankful. It doesn't give us that out. In everything, give thanks. And then there's a parallel verse. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, in every situation, are you with it? It's the, the every word. With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
The Bible actually says in every situation you're supposed to pray with thanksgiving. And when I can live with thanksgiving in my life, what happens is it releases the peace of God which guards my heart and my mind. Your heart and your mind is where the battle happens. It is where the entire thing, the battleground in your life is your heart and mind. So how do we guard our heart and mind? The peace of God will do it for us if... We live in prayer and we live with thanksgiving. So when Proverbs says, guard your heart, watch over your heart, how do we do that? Thanksgiving. It's prayer connected to thanksgiving. I'm going to read these again. Listen to this. The NIV. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We read the, the NASB, New America Standard says, for, for from it flow the springs of life. The Message Bible says that keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Above all else, here's the key in your life. You've got to guard your heart. You have to guard your heart. When you leave your heart unprotected, when you leave your heart unguarded, you are in trouble. You've got to guard your heart above all else. So, so you have to know the priority in your life, the Bible says, is above all else. So everything else you think is a priority, this is above it. Guard your heart. That's where all the issues come from. That's where all of the springs of life come from. That's where life begins in your heart. Therefore, guard your heart. Be vigilant about guarding your heart. Be diligent about guarding your heart. That's the priority. We have to get our priorities in line, which is guard your heart. Now, you guys don't have this. I was asking Phil. We used to do, in school, we would do egg drops, where the project in school was you had to build like a contraption, a structure, and then you would put an egg in it, and you would drop it from a two-story building, and you'd, the goal was to protect the egg. So, I mean, they would you'd, they'd come up with the most complex things, simple things, you know, cardboard boxes stuffed with, buff, you know, bubble wraps, you know, in all this stuff, or they do things with water or suspended with, you know, rubber bands. We just make all these things. You try to come up with something where you could drop it, foam, and it wouldn't break. And, and we all knew that when you did the egg drop experiment in school, there's only one thing. Just protect the egg. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And if the egg breaks, it wasn't successful. If the egg didn't break, successful. And it didn't matter what the thing looked like. It could look ugly. It could be big. So it didn't matter. Protect the egg. That's all that mattered when you did this experiment. This is your life. What matters is your heart. Above all else, guard it. Above all else, guard it. This is one of the priority issues as believers is that we get it. One of the reasons why when you're ungrateful, when you're negative, when you're critical, you drop your guard and all of a sudden bitterness begins to set in. All of a sudden unforgiveness begins to set in. All of a sudden things begin to set into your life because you leave your heart unguarded. Thankfulness guards your heart. Do you know combat medics? Uh, if you ever watch any war movie and they're out in the battlefield and they call for a medic and the combat medic comes over and takes care of the wounded soldier... Combat medics are actually trained in three phases of care. It's actually called tactical combat casualty care. Tactical combat casualty care. There's three phases. The first phase being on the battlefield, the second phase, and then. So the first phase of tactical combat care, casualty care, is called this, care under fire. 
So care rendered at the scene of the injury while both the medic and the casualty are under hostile fire. Available medical equipment is limited to that carried by each operator and the medic. This stage focuses on a quick assessment and placing a tourniquet on any major bleed. So again, when I'm a combat medic and I'm, and I'm under fire, bullets are whizzing by, it's just me, I, it's just me as a medic, this guy, then it, I have to be trained in that moment to assess quickly the top priority of the situation, and I only have limited medical equipment for it. So, so it focuses, uh, the, the TCCC training uh, focuses on major hemorrhaging and airway complications such as tension pneumothorax. In other words, if I'm a combat medic and I'm under fire, when I show up, what I've been trained is this. I have to know immediately what's most important. And I have to deal with that. The rest I'll deal with later. I've got to deal with this. So a combat medic is not out there, you know, fixing a broken leg when they're bleeding out or can't breathe. Because the broken leg doesn't matter in that moment. This is under fire. This is care under fire right now. What do I got to do in that situation? And so I have to make sure they're not bleeding they're not hemorrhaging blood, and I've got to make sure they can breathe. That's it. That's what I'm training. The first phase of care is just fix that. Nothing else matters. We'll deal with the rest later. For believers, I'm telling you, one of the things we don't understand is when we are under fire in our life, when we are in tough situations, guard your heart above all else. Don't fix a broken leg. That's not the issue in the moment. The issue in the moment is make sure your heart is guarded. It is the issue. It is the sole issue. That's why the Bible says above all else, guard your heart with diligence, with vigilance. Make sure your heart is protected. Make sure your heart is protected. You can do a whole bunch of stuff. If your heart's not protected, you're in trouble. How do you protect your heart? How do you guard your heart? I'm telling you, one of the best ways is be thankful. One of the best ways is to be thankful. When I'm in an intense situation, what I have to do right now is I have to, call, I have to be thankful. Because the minute I'm not thankful, all of a sudden, bitterness, all of a sudden I begin to feel sorry for myself. All of a sudden I begin to be ungrateful. All of a sudden I begin to lose the sight of who God is and what he's done. And, and I begin, I drop my guard on this thing. Thankfulness is one of the key ways to guard your heart. And when you live thankful, I just live thankful, all of a sudden, your heart is protected. And all of a sudden, the number one priority in your life, make sure your heart's guarded. This is the beautiful thing. This is the beautiful thing about Joseph. Joseph is sold by his brother. First, they're going to kill him because they're jealous. And then he's sold by his brothers into slavery. Where then he's, in, he's a slave and then he's in prison and all this bad stuff happens to him because his brother sold him to slavery. When they encountered him, when they finally encountered him, you know what Joseph's response was? Hey, you meant it for good, but God meant it for, uh, you meant it for evil. You didn't mean it for good. Hey, brothers, I know you meant good. No, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. This is the crazy thing. Joseph's like, I know, uh, like, I know I'm thankful. I'm thankful. God actually used what you meant for for evil. He used it for good in my life so that I could save my family. 
in, in, in the, in, this is why trials and tribulations and all the things, the Bible's like rejoice, be, be joyful in all those moments. You gotta, but, but it's just like, God, I'm just so grateful. I know that they meant it for bad, but, but you meant it. You shaped my life, and you set me up, and you positioned me to save my family. Thankfulness is the, the, what, what, guard, what, what helped Joseph and guard his heart was thankfulness. He wasn't bitter at his brothers because he was thankful. He said, thank you, God, for allowing me to save my family. Thankfulness guards your heart. Stand up with me. I promised I wasn't going to go this long in my head. In my head, I promised myself, and then that didn't work out. Can you just put your hand on your heart? I'm going to turn this over to somebody. I'm going to turn this over to you. I know that this is all stuff we deal with, right? We're all dealing with situations that are hard right now. We're all dealing with situations that are frustrating. We're all dealing with situations that we could be ungrateful and and, and irritated and critical and negative. Above all else, guard your heart. Do that with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving will, will, will release faith in your life. Thanksgiving will guard your heart. Thanksgiving will allow you to see the Father. This is all that happens. And so can you just take a, just take a moment. Just, I'm going to turn this over right now. But just take a moment. Just say, God, we want to live thankful lives. In everything. In every situation, we want to give thanks. In every situation. Lord, we don't want to be anxious in any situation. We want to come with thankfulness so that our hearts can be guarded. And Lord, some of, some of us in this room, Lord, we just dropped our guard on our heart and things have set in, Lord, that are just killing us. Lord, would you come and just wash over us today? Would you come and refresh us today? And Lord, may we be thankful in every situation. Lord, we're not going to be run by our feelings. Our feelings are not what determine truth in our life. What we know is this, God, whether my bank account is full or not, you're my provider. You're the one that supplies my needs according to your riches. That's what truth is. You're the one who restores relationship. You're the one who multiplies bread. You're the one that heals bodies. You're the one that sets people free. There's a greater name than any name I'll ever encounter. It's the name of Jesus, and I'm thankful for that. You're the one that took me from being dead to alive. I'm grateful, God for all that you're doing in my life. Lord, may we never dismiss five barley loaves and two small fish. May we never diminish what you're doing in our lives. Take just a moment with the Lord. I believe that one of the most significant outworkings of this word, which is, I think, so, I mean, right in the heart of this series we're in for Bani to bring this word, I, I think it's really valuable, strategic. I think it's what God has for us as a community. But I genuinely believe that one of the, the most powerful outworkings of this word 
is to begin to start to put into practice what God does in here, that it would begin to manifest itself here. And I, I feel like we have a real opportunity to be so conscious with the words that, words that we put on our lips. That actually the, a critical spirit, the, the negativity that often, so often just even spirals out of control when, when, when we begin to share with others what's going on, when we begin to just speak whatever comes out of our heart. I, I want to encourage you that as you step out even today, even in this next time, we're just take an opportunity to start to strengthen the muscle of your mouth and outwork what God is doing in your heart through what comes out of your mouth. I believe you'll find it an immensely powerful thing to start to strengthen what God wants to do in your heart, the inner landscape of your heart, by allowing that to, to be manifest through what you speak over yourself, what you speak over your situations, what you speak over your family. And so begin to strengthen uh, this place of thanksgiving through what you put on your lips. I want to pray. And then, uh, prayer team, would you come and just make yourself available this morning just over here? Um, this morning, if you're here and you want someone to stand with you and pray with you, maybe there are things that you're going through in life and you just would love somebody to stand with you and pray with you. If you're sick this morning, we want to pray for you. But I'll just close out and pray just as the team make themselves available. Father, I thank you for this word. Father, I thank you that um, you're bringing us into a maturity of heart. Father, you're causing us to, to grow up and take responsibility for what's going on inside of our lives because there's a demonstration of who you are that's supposed to come on our lips, on our lives, that will demonstrate, God, just how good you are in every season of life. And so, Father, I thank you through this reality of a thankful heart that we'd position our lives in, in our families, in our, with our work colleagues, in wherever you, we find ourselves, we will position ourselves with a thankful heart. God, it will demonstrate something way beyond anything that we can, uh, we can say. It will demonstrate something about who we are as we put our trust and our belief in who you are. So thank you for the privilege of growing up in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, Banny, thank you for your word this morning. If you would want some prayer, this amazing prayer team of entirely all women, I know there are some men on our prayer team this morning, come and make yourselves available this morning. If you'd like someone to stand with you and pray with you, um, please do that. Stick around for some refreshments. If you're here for the very, very first time, come and grab your welcome pack. We'd love to give you that this morning and say hi to you. Uh, but other than that, have an amazing week. We'll see you at the Jesus Culture Conference Friday, Saturday this week. If you haven't booked, there are still a very few uh, we, the numbers are very few, so make sure you book on this week. If you're thinking about leaving it to the last minute, don't book today. And we'll see you uh, on Friday and Saturday and then again next Sunday. Bless you guys.